Welcome back, MTN Giants podcast. So the season ended Sunday, and it's only Thursday, but there's so much to talk about, uh, a lot of drama with Don Martindale, and hey, Jay Glazer don't miss, right? That report came out, and even the players were surprised. Like It, it seemed like there was no tension between them. Of course, they posted, uh, they being the Giants, uh, you know, social media, posted the video of Dable throwing the game ball to Wink that one time. And it seemed like things were fine, according to the players. But, um, yeah, things were not fine. Don Martindale and the Giants um, mutually agreed to part ways. That's how they worded it. Um, I think we know how that went. But we'll go over, like, the article written by Paul Schwartz. It was some interesting stuff. But um, there's that. The Giants hired a new offensive line coach already, Carmen Brasillo. I'm pretty sure that's how you say it. Um, formerly with the Raiders and the Patriots. I'll just talk about him for a bit. But, yeah, pretty quick, right? The offensive line coach has already decided. It felt like that might have been, like, already agreed on before the season even ended. So, yeah, that's in, in place. It seems like there's good reviews about him. So, I got to wait and see how it plays out first. But it really can't get much worse than what Bobby, uh, Bobby Johnson was doing. So, that's the good news. But, yeah, a lot of coaches fired and, and some other stuff I want to go over. So, hope you guys enjoy the video, of course. Um, leave a like. It always helps out. And let's get into it. I guess we'll start with the offensive line coach news because that's, like, the newest thing. So, Carmen Brasillo, he, of course, has been around for a long time coaching. But a lot of that was, like, in college and high school even. So, started coaching, you know, high school as an assistant coach back in 2003. But we're not worried about that. So in the NFL, his experience was with the Patriots for three years. Two of those years as an offensive line coach. And in 2019, he was a coaching assistant. Now in 2019, he did work under or next to Dante Scornecchia, who of course is the uh, Patriots' famous offensive line coach. And there are a lot of great things said about Scarnecchia. So that's a great guy to learn under. And the past two years, he has been with the Raiders in 2022-2023. And if you look at the Raiders and how their offensive line has played, like it, it overperformed this year. Like you look at their offensive line, and there's not many names on here where it's like, oh, that guy's a stud. Like, that guy was drafted high. That guy should be a really good NFL player. The only guy drafted highly was Colton Miller. First-round pick, 15th overall back in 2018. And, you know, Colton Miller did break out the year before um, Brasilla got there. But he's still been one of the better left tackles in football. But their left guard, Dylan Parham, was a third-round pick in 2022. He was the lowest graded guy at a 60, but everybody else, the center, the right guard, Van Roten, who is like a journeyman. How old is he now? But he was with the Jets. I think he was with the Bills. Uh, it's not loading, but he's probably near 30 or somewhere up there. Then you have Jermaine Illuminor. I think that's how you say it. The right tackle. And he was a guy who was a fifth round pick back in 2017. And he had a 68.5 grade this past year. Um, Van Roten's 33, so yeah, he's up there, and then their center, Andre James, who was an undrafted player, undrafted free agent back in 2019, he had a 74 grade as a center this year, so I understand like PFF grades are not everything, but compare that to what the Giants have going on, 
And it's like, it's horrendous. Like, I'll go to the Giants, just, you know, I'm kind of curious now what their offensive line grades were, because obviously it ain't good. Um, Andrew Thomas always grades out well for obvious reasons, but even Thomas, for his standards, had a down year. Like, last year, Thomas had a 90 grade, which is incredible. That was third amongst all tackles last year. This year, he ranked 18th amongst 84 tackles. He had a 76 grade. But everybody else is pretty much in the red. Justin Pua, 41 grade. John Michael Schmitz, 41 grade. Um, ben Bredesen, 42 grade. Evan Neal, 39. So the Giants offensive line was not that good, right? I think we get that. So there is an improvement here, but you know, you got to see how it plays out first. I can't sit here and act like I know everything about offensive line coaches. The the best we can do is look at interviews, read articles about, you know, what they like to do schematically and, and how they like to, you know, coach up these offensive linemen and look at their previous destinations and, you know, think to yourself, okay, how did those offensive lines play? And if you look at the Raiders, their offensive line, I think, overperformed. So that's the good news. All right. So we have that going on for us. Um, Carmen Brasillo, new offensive line coach for the New York Giants. The Don Martindale stuff, very interesting. Um, obviously, I didn't want him to go, but I also don't think it's the end of the world. Now, the Paul Schwartz article brought a lot of light to this, and it made Don Martindale look like the bad guy, which he might be in this case. I, I understand that it's not a good look for Dable to kind of have Don Martindale kind of go off the rails, but this also could be a Don Martindale problem, you know? So for those not familiar with the story, apparently Brian Dable fired two guys that Don Martindale is close with, you know, kind of like his right-hand men. So Dable fired Drew Wilkins, who I think was like either an offensive assistant or an outside linebackers coach, one or the other. And Drew Wilkins' brother also got fired. I forget his name now. But, you know, those are Don Martindale's guys. So when that happened, obviously he was pissed. And also in the article, it pretty much was saying that Dable, not Dable, that um, Martindale was kind of bypassing what Dable wanted to do, what his beliefs were. So it was kind of like Don Martindale wasn't even collaborating. He was doing his own thing, kind of just going off on his own. And like, he just seemed tough to work with. Now, you can't believe every single article out there. This could be, you know, an article that helped cover Brian Dable's ass. Like, it could be, obviously. I don't want to be too naive to everything. And, you know, it's up for your interpretation. But for how things ended in Baltimore for Martindale, and now it ended like this for the Giants, like, you know, it's it's two destinations now. So, um, I'm not that crazy about him leaving i don't think it's the end of the world like some people make it out to be um you know the guy obviously had too much of an ego he was not collaborating which brian dable wants um and like i know dexter lawrence played out of his mind under don martindale the past two years but let's look at the other younger edge guys right the edge guys were underperforming in this defense right so you look at Kayvon. Kayvon was a, a fifth overall pick a couple years back, and that's a guy you have a lot invested into, and you want him to be the best he can be. And despite having the 11 and a half sacks this year, I think we all can agree that Kayvon was invisible for too many games and, and too many plays this year, and, you know, even parts of last year. So 
I want to see the edge guys play better, and that includes Aziz Ojolari when he's healthy, who's a talented player, and I don't think the Giants got the most out of him this year. That could be injury-related, but still, they can get more out of the edge rushers. Now, in my last video, I went over how in Baltimore, the pass rush win rate for edge rushers playing under Don Martindale in Baltimore was also pretty low. Now, it wasn't as low as Kayvon, who was like the lowest out of the entire group. You're talking about like, um, you know, Tyus Bowser, Adafe Owe, um, who else? Like Justin Houston, I think was there. Like just guys that were playing in Baltimore under Martindale. And those guys were not performing up to their standard or their level. So... You know, I think with a new defensive coordinator, whoever that may be, we'll find out hopefully in like the next week or so. Um, hopefully the edge group, they can get more out of those guys. Now, I'm still satisfied with how Dexter Lawrence has played, and I think he's now reached an elite level where it doesn't really matter who his defensive coordinator is. Like, I guess it could matter to a degree, but I think Dexter Lawrence is Dexter Lawrence, and he's going to overpower the man in front of him more times than not. So I'm not that worried about him. So... Yeah, the Ravens' defense also got better with Mike McDonald, who is now getting, like, head coaching interviews, I think. So, you know, I don't think it's that bad. Like, would I prefer Don Martindale to have stayed and, and continue the continuity? Yes. But I also don't think it's the worst thing in the world. So it's kind of shitty how it ended, and, you know, there was definitely some bad blood at the end there. And as I said, Jay Glazer, that report that came out probably like a little over a month back, it was accurate, saying that there was, you know, some uh, some tension between Dable and Martindale. So, hey, don't don't doubt Jay Glazer when he talks about the Giants. Um, next thing I wanted to get to is Saquon Barkley. So, uh, um, so Ralph Vacchiano appearing on Sports Nation Nightly. Ralph Vacchiano went on to say he thinks the Giants and running back Saquon Barkley are probably headed for a divorce. Interesting. So personally, I don't care. I really don't. Like, I know Saquon is one of the better running backs in the league, but it's kind of like Martindale. I don't think it's the end of the world. Every time I look at Saquon Barkley, and I know this is just me being a baby, I get it, but every time I look at Saquon Barkley, it's just a reminder of how the Giants grossly misutilized a very valuable second overall pick. And I feel like Barkley is not a guy who is in this to win. I feel like he just wants to stay a giant to, to make the money. And I, you know what I mean? Like, I just don't think he's even here for the right reasons anymore. Like it's time to move on. He's going to be 27 as a running back. Um, he's going to want a multi-year deal. We already, we heard the interview with Barkley, how if, you know, he basically said, if you're going to franchise tag me, just do it now. Don't drag it out. Like last year, um, the guy's not going to be happy if he's franchise tagged. I mean, I'm sure he'll put up with it, but that's not what he wants, of course. So, you know, I think Barkley, he may be done here, but he's also said at the same time, like he wants to retire a giant. So I don't know what to think, but if this is true and the giants and Saquon are heading for a divorce, that's fine. Like go out and win somewhere. I feel bad for him. Like he's only had two playoff games his entire Giants career, and he's been here for 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, six years, right? So to play in two playoff games in six years for a guy that talented, it's got to suck. You know, like if I'm Saquon, I probably don't want to be here either. So if that's the way it is, then fine. Like spend your money elsewhere. I think we know by now, most people will know by now that it's more important to have a great offensive line and uh, a great quarterback to, you know, take care of stacked boxes, right? Like, it's more important than having a very talented running back. Like, I'd rather have the money put towards Saquon put into, like, 
my offensive guards. And you can put some average running back back there and he'll do fine. Like, I'm not that worried about it. You know, like I, the problem with the Giants is they never, like when they draft mid round running backs, they're never that good. So they have to actually find one. But there's good rookie running backs in every freaking draft that are taken in the middle rounds. Like, I'm thinking back to, like, even last year, like, Roshan Johnson with the Bears is very talented. He got a concussion at one point, missed, like, three games. But, like, still, he's very talented. Uh, I like Zach Charbonnet on the Seahawks. I think he was a second-round pick. But there's guys that come out, even, like, Devon Achan with the Dolphins. I know it's the Dolphins, and, like, that's very scheme-specific. But another example of a running back who was not taken super high, um, who turned out to be great. And, of course, he got hurt, too. But there are examples every single year of running backs taken in the middle rounds that end up being really productive players. You just have to find the right guy. I'm trying to think of last year's class now. Here's another, Tajay Spears. He went to the Titans and backed up Derrick Henry, and he had a bunch of explosive plays this year. He'll probably have a bigger role next year now that Henry's most likely gone in Tennessee. Uh, Keaton Mitchell. He was on IR for half the year, but if you're into fantasy football and you watch the Ravens sometimes, you know Keaton Mitchell made some big plays for them. Now, unfortunately, he got hurt a couple weeks back on a, a Monday night game, I think it was. Chase Brown, the Bengals got him this year. He was making big plays in the second half of the year behind Joe Mixon. Uh, Tank Bigsby was a bust this year. Eric Gray with the Giants. You know, it hasn't been that great. He's been okay, but not that great. Amari DiMarcato had a couple of great games with the um, the uh, Cardinals when James Conner was out. So that's what I'm saying. There's guys in every freaking draft that if you just get the right running back in the mid-rounds, which it shouldn't be that hard to do, hopefully, um, it's fine. You can replace that Saquon Barkley production. Not exactly, because I know Saquon's great, but you can get good enough production out of your running back and pay more money for good guards and good offensive linemen. So I'm fine with it. I'm kind of over the Saquon era. I'm over the Daniel Jones era. Probably do one more year of it, unfortunately. But those two guys, I'm done. Get them out. I don't even care. They're part of this whole losing culture. You know, I don't need to see it anymore, right? I've seen enough of Jones. I've seen enough of Barkley. It's, it is what it is, all right? Like, let's move on here. Um, by the way, the guy's name was Kevin Wilkins. So Drew Wilkins and Kevin Wilkins. Kevin Wilkins was a defensive assistant, and Drew Wilkins was the um, outside linebackers coach. Those are the guys that Don Martindale was close with, and now, you know, of course, they got fired first, and then Don Martindale kind of, you know, got very pissed off, and he flew to Florida and wasn't returning the Giants' calls for a bit, but... Finally, that's over and done with. Um, other Giants news with coaches. Brandon Brown, well, not a coach, but Brandon Brown, the assistant GM, interviewed with the um, Los Angeles Chargers for their vacant general manager job. Um, Brandon Brown's the guy who came over from the Eagles, and verily, um, he's very um, you know, highly thought of. So he's a guy who may end up going to Los Angeles to be their GM. So um, I know there's like the whole Rooney rule thing and he is African-American. So I don't know if it's like, you know, if they're actually interested or if they're just trying to like follow the rules there, but Hey, I've heard good things about him. So hopefully like he does get that job and that'd be great for his career. Um, it'd be a fun roster to take over. I feel like, you know, the chargers, they do have some older injury prone guys like Bosa and Derwin James. They're not that old, but like 27, 28, but still, that'd be a fun team to take over there. We'll see the head coaches. But, uh, you know, Brandon Brown, we'll see if he's with the Giants long term or if this is possibly it for him. But uh, Mike Kafka, head coaching interview with the Tennessee Titans. So that's interesting. 
Um, Mike Kafka got a couple of interviews last year. I think he got two interviews with the uh, Cardinals. And, of course, Gannon beat him out in the end. But um, I'm kind of surprised. Like I like Kafka once again. I've said that a billion times on here. But I did not think he'd be getting a head coaching interview this year. But, hey, like that's good for him, and we'll see if he gets it. Obviously, I would prefer him to stay, but if Brian Dable has to call the plays or has to get another um, offensive coordinator, of course, Ken Dorsey's out there, who he knew back in Buffalo. He got fired midseason. Um, he's out there, so we'll see what happens. I did write in here that the Giants were denied um, denied their request to interview Dwayne Ledford, who is the offensive line coach with the Falcons. But that doesn't matter now because the Giants have their offensive line coach. So that's pretty much it. I mean, they fired some other guys. Um, McGahey, the special teams coach, finally got fired. I feel like he was a guy who people wanted fired for years, and that's I'm part of that as well. Um, he seems like a good guy. I think I've heard good things about him, but... At the same time, the special teams has not been good for a while. So I think it was good, like, Joe Judge's first year. And we were all saying, like, oh, that's the Joe Judge influence. But I feel like McGahee, Thomas McGahee's special teams have had more bad times than good since he's been here. And he's been here for a while. So that's over and done with. And we'll see who the new special teams coordinator is. Hey, maybe it's Joe Judge. I'm just kidding. And lastly, I wrote, are the Giants screwed at quarterback? So I, I just saw some type of tweet. I'm going to pull it up real quickly. But somebody said that he has heard that the Giants want to draft a quarterback this year. As I said earlier, like, don't believe everything you read. But at the same time, like, there is a possibility that the Giants do want their quarterback this year. Now, I got some comments on my last video when I was talking about, like, get a quarterback in the first round. There were some people commenting, like, that I'm crazy. That like, For me, thinking the Giants are going to get a quarterback in round one is crazy. And I don't necessarily agree. Like, I understand the optics of it. You pay Daniel Jones, and it's going to look bad if you draft a quarterback in round one. But, like, you have to be honest with yourself and, and realize that we made a mistake. They made a mistake, right? Daniel Jones should not have gotten that contract, and we effed up. But we can't double down on a bad decision. If the quarterback is there at six that we like or we can trade up for a guy, then we got to go get him. Like, getting the quarterback right is more important, you know, for the next decade than to having to hold on for Daniel Jones for one more year, right? Like, it, it's really – it doesn't make sense. Like, just because they paid Daniel Jones a four-year deal that they can get out of after next year – it should not negate them from taking a quarterback in this draft if they think that quarterback is worth the sixth overall pick. So that's how I feel about it. But anyway, um, it was Monty who tweeted this. He, he does a podcast uh, called um, He's a Giant, so check that out, of course. But uh, it was Tony Pauline. I'm pretty sure it's how you pronounce it. But NFL draft analyst at sportskita.com. Does have 43,000 followers, so hey, could be legit, but... It looks like he wrote in this article, this is a tough one. I didn't think the Giants would be would go quarterback at this spot after the extension given to Daniel Jones last year, but people close to the organization keep telling me Joe Shane and Brian Dable will pick their quarterback this offseason. That's what the article says. So if you want to believe this tweet from Monty and that this one guy, Tony Pauline, wrote, go for it. If you don't want to believe it, that's fine. Not going to you know get mad at you for that. But anyway, the point I wanted to get to was that when I said the Giants are screwed at quarterback, 
I kind of realized this on Sunday night when I did the reaction to the game against the Eagles. I was sitting there like, wait, so the first three picks might be quarterbacks. And this draft has three really good quarterbacks at the top. So the more you break it down, you're like, okay, Caleb's gone probably. May is gone probably. Jaden Daniels is gone probably. Who do the Giants take? Like, they're left with certain guys, you know, Penix, Knicks, McCarthy. I liked McCarthy the most out of that group. But even I'm, I'm not like 100% certain that, you know, J.J. McCarthy should go in the top 10. Like, I like him as a prospect, but if I were the GM, I don't know if I would have enough confidence to take him, like, that highly. I want to see what his combine's like and, you know, I guess see how the interviews go. Like, I'm assuming they'll be fine. But I went over why I like McCarthy before. Like, he's still very young. He can grow into his body more. He still, like, has decent size. I think he's, like, 6'3". But he's, like, an underrated athlete, good mobility, good arm strength, can process the field very well. Um, you know, pretty accurate, I would say, for the most part. And he's he's pretty good at improvising. Like, I remember that one play. He had, like, that shovel pass to the running back that one time. There was that one play he rolled out to his right and told his guy to go downfield, and he hit him for a deep pass. I think that was a touchdown. So there's a lot I like about J.J. McCarthy, but you also think about the team he was on. Is he a game manager? Can he be more? I think he can be more, but I would also want to see him go to, like, a good structure. I don't think McCarthy can go to a bad team and just completely carry you. Like, I think Caleb Williams can probably do that. Drake May, to an extent, maybe can do that. Um, Jaden Daniels, I would fear for him getting injured because he's so skinny, but he might be able to do that too. But I don't think J.J. McCarthy can go to a bad team. Like, if you stuck him on the Panthers this past year, it probably ain't going too well. So I'm concerned about that. But I also know that Monty, who I talked about before, was comparing McCarthy to Aaron Rodgers coming out of college. He's not comparing him to Aaron Rodgers, the four-time MVP, Super Bowl champion. Comparing him to Aaron Rodgers coming out of Cal, how they had very similar stats, and they were more so like game manager types coming out of college. And, you know, there was a lot of questions when Aaron Rodgers came out of Cal, and of course he dropped to like, what, the 24th pick or something. It was him or Alex Smith. And, of course, the Niners picked Alex Smith that year, which ended up being the wrong choice. But, yeah, so there's a lot to talk about with the quarterbacks. But would the Giants be confident enough in Penix, Knicks, or McCarthy to take them at six? I don't know. I'm not that confident in that. I think, if anything, it probably is McCarthy. He seems like the Giants type. You know what I mean when I say that. Don't have to explain myself. Um, you know, of course, Bo Nix kind of fits that, too, but... I think Bo Nix has more questions, but I don't know. It depends what you like. Like, Nix, you just know what you're getting with Nix, I feel like, because he's already older. He's played college for, like, five years. But McCarthy is so – he's so young, and I feel like there's more upside there. So, like, personally, I like McCarthy more, but, you know, we'll see what happens. But if they don't draft a quarterback, and this is why I'm, like, saying the Giants might be screwed, here's your other options at quarterback. Now, of course – they can run it back with Daniel Jones next year and Tommy DeVito behind him. But I personally think that is way too risky. And if you're Brian Dable and Joe Shane, you are putting your jobs on the line for Daniel Jones, who's injury prone and just not that good of a quarterback. And Tommy DeVito, who, yeah, he's had his moments of looking pretty good, but not the guy that I want starting a lot of games if Jones were to get hurt again. Like, that's not what I would want. So... It would be hard for me in Joe Shane's shoes to rely on those two guys to be my quarterbacks next year. 
But the other options they have are not fantastic. You have Kirk Cousins, who's a free agent. Cousins is like probably in his mid-30s now. He was really good the past few years with um, their new coach there. What the hell is his name? Something O'Connell. Kevin O'Connell. That's it. Kevin O'Connell, not Aiden O'Connell. So yeah, he was very good with uh, Kevin O'Connell the past few years. But Kirk Cousins probably doesn't make too much sense for this Giants team. I just don't see that happening. Justin Fields has been brought up a lot in a trade. I mean, that's the only way you can get him probably. I don't see the Bears releasing him, even if they were to draft um, Caleb Williams, which I do think they'll end up doing. Now, it's tough because Ryan Poles, the Bears GM, has had a lot of sound bites like the past few days. And some of the quotes you read... You're like, oh, they might actually keep Fields and trade the pick. And then you read some other quotes and it's like, oh, they're, they're taking Caleb Williams. So you kind of have to just guess for yourself on that one. I just find it hard to believe that a team would pass on Caleb Williams and a chance to reset the rookie contract for a guy, in, you know, Justin Fields, who's entering year four and is very unproven at this point. We don't know what he is. I would say I'm personally more pro Justin Fields than most Giants fans, especially like a lot of Giants fans will still tell you that Daniel Jones is better than Justin Fields, which I don't get that. Like I get that Jones has more team accomplishments. He went to the playoffs, had a winning season, won a playoff game. Justin Fields has not done that shit. Like he has a very bad record, but I feel like just watching those guys like with your eyes, you're like, all right, yeah, Justin Fields is a better quarterback. But anyway, so agree to disagree on that one. But Fields is entering year four. It's a $6 million cap hit. Now, of course, he was a first-round pick. He was actually picked with the Giants pick that year. They traded back and took Kadarius Tony. But Justin Fields does have the fifth-year option coming up this offseason. So the Giants, if they were to trade for him, would have to pick up or decline his fifth-year option before watching him play as a Giant. So that'd be pretty risky. Or maybe you just trade... I don't know, a third or a fourth round pick for Fields, don't pick up the fifth year option and let the year play out. We saw them get burnt on that with Daniel Jones. And of course, you can't blame them for declining the fifth year option because Jones was not that good his first three years. But for Fields, there is a lot of upside. The thing about Fields I don't like is he has a very long throwing motion. I don't like that. And I feel like his ability to process the game and read defenses and go through his progressions are just very slow he's a guy who will take a lot of unnecessary sacks there are times he will get out of some ridiculous sacks i remember that play versus the falcons this was two weeks ago now it looked like he was wrapped up by three defensive linemen and he somehow got out of it and ran for a first down like justin fields pulls off some ridiculous plays like that but at the same time he's kind of inaccurate sometimes, doesn't read defense as well. He's also kind of injury prone. He missed games. He missed like three or four games this year with that thumb injury. I think he missed games last year. So not the healthiest guy either. So that's another concern about Justin Fields. If you're asking me personally to take money out of it and take assets out of it, I would obviously take Justin Fields over Daniel Jones next year. I would. But I also don't think it makes a lot of sense for this Giants team to... Like have Jones on that type of contract and bring in a quarterback who, you know, I, I do think that Fields is better once again and he has a higher ceiling. He's played less years, so he's had less chance to prove himself. But at the same time, like, it just doesn't make sense. Like, if Fields was um, 
had a very good chance of being a franchise quarterback one day, I'd probably be okay with it. But I just, I don't know. I Fields is very confusing. He's a guy who will string together three, four, five games of looking like a top 10, sometimes top five quarterback. And then he'll revert to looking horrible. Like he was on a great run coming into the last week of the season and he completely laid an egg against the Packers in a big game. Like it didn't mean anything for the Bears, but it, you know, it was big for that rivalry. And if the Bears won, they could have kept the Packers out of the playoffs. So obviously with jobs on the line and stuff like that, like the Bears wanted to win that game and they only put up nine points. So the whole Justin Fields debate, you can go on with it for, for hours and hours, but my opinion is it's just not worth the Giants doing it. Would I be excited if they did it somehow for some reason? Yes, I would. I, I do consider myself a fan of Justin Fields. I don't love him. I don't think he'll be like this amazing franchise quarterback one day at this point. But there's enough tools there. And, of course, the history of Brian Dable with Josh Allen. Like, there's enough there where I'm like, okay, I can buy into this and let's see how it goes next year. But I'm not going to like get my hopes up. But it'd be fun to watch. It would. Like, I know what Daniel Jones is. I've seen enough. He's just not that guy. But with Justin Fields, if he had worked with Dable for a year, and, like, let's be let's be, um, let's be be um, fair to Justin Fields, right? His first year, he had Matt Nagy as his head coach. Nagy was basically one and done. He lasted not one and done in, in total, but he got fired after Fields' first year is what I meant to say. So he gets one year with Nagy. Then I think they had some other um, offensive coordinator last year. Then they brought in this Luke Getze guy this year. He was not very good. And, like, I remember looking at a stat. The first, like, four or three games of the season, Fields only had, like, two design rushes. Which, for a guy like that, Justin Fields' main, like, attribute is his rushing. So to have two design runs for a quarterback like that will just tell you how inept the um offensive play calling was for the bears last year so um i think there is something there with justin fields like there is some untapped potential and i would like to see what he can do with a brian dable but at the same time i just don't think it makes sense if there was no daniel jones contract and let's say the giants let him walk last year and let's say they came into this year with like a, a one-year stopgap guy I would be way more for the idea of Justin Fields, right? Because it kind of would look ridiculous if you think about it. It'd be like you just gave Jones a big extension, and a year later you want to trade like a second or a third round pick, whatever it's going to take, to get Justin Fields. Like to me, that's a tough sell to Mara, the fan base, and whoever. So, you know, if I'm the Giants and Shane, like I'm not putting my entire job into Justin Fields next year between his injury history and having to learn a new offense again. I mean, maybe it works. Maybe maybe Justin Fields plays under Brian Dable and looks phenomenal, stays healthy, and the Giants look like geniuses, but I just don't think it's going to happen, and I don't think it makes the most sense. It's way too risky. Um, the other thing is Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson, um, I'm sure they'll try to trade him, or maybe they'll just flat out release him which will probably be the result in the end. So Russell Wilson could be flat-out released this offseason. And Russ actually didn't look that bad this year, right? If you watch the Broncos play, he wasn't like Seattle Russ when it was like, you know, 2016 through 2020 and he looked phenomenal. It wasn't like that, but Russ was still a very solid quarterback last year. He was like definitely a top 12 quarterback, maybe top 10. 
a lot of guys got hurt this year, so that kind of helps like shrink down that number of total quarterbacks. But you get what I mean. Like I feel like Russell Wilson played fine last year. He definitely was much better than 2022. So Russell Wilson in his old age, he's only like 34, 35. But Russell Wilson at that age, would he make sense for the Giants? Probably not. Like I'm thinking about it. Like if he came here on a one-year deal and it wasn't that much money, but he came here for the opportunity to start and prove himself. Um, then yeah, maybe. But if he came into negotiations with like the mindset of I'm Russell Wilson, I deserve a big contract still, then yeah, like sayonara, buddy. But it depends. It really, like if he came in here on a one-year deal and obviously it would cost a lot of money, like I'm sure it'd be one year, like a ton of money, but like maybe that's worth it. But I just don't think Russell Wilson's that realistic for this team. Now, the more realistic stuff, more realistic options are the free agents this year, and the main ones I listed were Ryan Tannehill, which is funny because he was often, Daniel Jones was often compared to Ryan Tannehill, which is a pretty good comp in my opinion. Now, Tannehill had a couple of great seasons in Tennessee. I don't think Jones will do that, but hey, like it's been pretty spot on so far. Jacoby Brissett, who I've wanted the Giants to get for like four or five years now, seems like they won't do it. Drew Locke, the former Bronco, Seahawk, he came in versus the Giants this year when Geno um, left for a bit. And I like Drew Locke, a lot of swagger. I've always liked his arm strength, um, not afraid to take shots downfield. Like, I do like Drew Locke, but we'll see if the Giants have any interest there. Sam Darnold, of course, played for the Jets, just played with the Niners this past year. He's still playing, of course. Um, Baker Mayfield, probably not leaving Tampa, but he is a free agent, so I put him on there. Gardner Minshew, this is a possibility, right? So the Colts, I'm sure, would love to have him back, but Gardner Minshew played well enough this year to earn himself more money and probably a better shot to play. And with the Colts having Anthony Richardson coming back, there's no need to pay Gardner Minshew a lot of money to be your backup quarterback. So I'm sure the Colts want to go cheaper with their backup quarterback, Gardner Minshew, realistically might leave that team and he might want to start somewhere. So Garner Minshew could be an option for the Giants. Um, it'd be exciting. Like He's not the greatest quarterback, but he's a guy who can run around and make stuff happen sometimes. And he's, you know, he's fun. So maybe uh, Jameis Winston, I've, I've wanted him for a while too. I don't see that happening. Um, just not John Maris type of guy. I remember he got in trouble that one time with uh the Uber driver, I think he stole some crab legs that one time. So they probably don't want to deal with that. And Jameis is kind of goofy, but I still love Jameis. He's like one of the funniest guys in the league. And I don't know, but I would like to see it, but it's probably not happening. And then Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod Taylor was good this year. He just can't stay healthy. And I think he'll be 35, 36. Like he's up there in age, but he showed you this year. Like he can operate this offense at a pretty high level. Um, he was much better than Jones this year, better than DeVito, and I think Tyrod's a good quarterback, but I also can't trust Tyrod to be healthy. Like, if Jones were to miss a lot of time again next year, or let's say they weren't relying on Jones, and let's say they drafted some quarterback, and let's say they drafted McCarthy, and McCarthy wasn't ready right away, like, I still don't trust uh, Tyrod to stay healthy. Like, I just don't. So it's sad, but if he was younger and more durable... I would be like, yeah, Tyrod Taylor was really good. Like, bring him back and let's see if we can, like, either run with him as quarterback one or maybe, like, you know, sign on to be a backup. But 
with the injury history, it's tough to rely on Tyrod Taylor. Um, but I think right now, just sitting here, like I do think the Giants want to draft a quarterback. I do, but it depends. Like it really depends. I I just you would need the Patriots to like pass on one of those three guys, which you don't know what's going to happen with them. Uh, new GM, new head coach. Of course, you know Belichick got let go officially. I think it was today or yesterday. He had the conference today, but um, we'll see what direction the Patriots want to go in. But if you, for some reason, like if the Bears were to trade that first overall pick, the Giants have to offer the most. Like I know you're putting your career on the line if you're Joe Shane. If like if the Bears actually traded that pick and you traded like two or three first and a bunch of other stuff to get up there, you are putting your career on the line. I completely get it. But sometimes you have to take those risks. And where the Giants are right now in the state of their franchise, I wouldn't mind it. If the Giants, if news broke tomorrow, which it wouldn't be tomorrow, but let's say news broke on March 25th or something, I don't know, that the Giants traded three first-round picks and, like, a third-round pick or something to get up to number one, I would not care. I'd be very happy. I'd be very excited. I know three first-round picks is an insane price, but at the same time, the Giants need that quarterback in here. They do. Like, the Giants have not had quarterback play at an elite level in a very long time. I've always said since like 2015 Eli Manning. It's 2024. It's been nine years. So it's going to cost a lot. But the Giants are in a perfect spot to get a Caleb Williams. If that pick is available. I don't think it'll be. Ryan Poles, the Bears GM, keeps saying he'll listen to offers. But I do think at the end of the day, they'll come to their senses and be like, what the hell are we doing? Let's just take Caleb. That's what I think will happen. But if that pick is for sale, if you're Joe Shane, you have to outbid everybody. That pick has to be yours. Because think about it. The teams in front of you are probably not going to trade up to number one. I mean, maybe. Like, maybe uh, for some reason Washington would to guarantee their guy. Maybe the Patriots would to guarantee their guy. But you know that the Chargers aren't. They have Herbert. You know that the... um, the Cardinals aren't. They have Kyler for a couple more years, at least with that contract. You know the Giants. Like, you're the team after those three quarterback needy teams. Like, you're next in line. So you pick closest to one. The Giants have an advantage there. So if the Bears do put a, you know, four sales sign on that number one pick, the Giants have an advantage over the Falcons and the Vikings, teams behind them, because they're further back in the draft. So at least the Giants picking six, you can tell Chicago, like, hey, we do pick closest to number one compared to those guys so the Giants may benefit from that but if that pick is for sale gotta get it I don't care what it costs like you have to get it so I hope that happens I love Caleb Williams I think it would change this franchise but depends what the Bears do they hold the power so really depends but anyway um you know been an interesting offseason I guess you can call it so far with the coach firings and coach hirings and, and all the news going on but so far I really can't complain it's just a lot of stuff has to be decided you know free agencies coming up soon and obviously the draft and it's a big offseason every offseason is big but I feel like offseason number three for Shane and Dable when you're three offseasons in like that's enough time where there's no more Gettleman excuses there's no more like it was his fault like even like the Daniel Jones thing, like it's 
Daniel Jones is now Joe Shane's problem. Like, you did sign him. That was you, buddy. That was you who signed him. So you can't blame Gettleman for that. But a lot of these guys that were Gettleman guys are going to be off the roster. There's going to be some, obviously. Andrew Thomas. We'll see if they re-sign McKinney. Um, Dexter Lawrence. Like, there's going to be guys, obviously. But majority of this roster at this point is going to be Joe Shane's by next year. So we're going to see how it plays out. But it's a very crucial offseason for him, for Brian Dable. Brian Dable has to hire the right staff, and I hope that their offensive line coach that they got today, uh, Carmen Brasillo, I hope he's great. But once again, it has to play out. I still have hope in Evan Neal. I don't think he's a lost cause, and hopefully he's a completely different player next year. Uh, that's what I hope for. But anyway, I think that'll do it. I went on for a long time here. It's like a real. This is like a real podcast, like a whole ass podcast over 40 minutes. So I hope you guys enjoyed. I may do a questions video soon. Um, let's talk about whatever. I do have to watch college prospects, obviously. I've watched some. I've gotten through a lot of quarterbacks. I've gotten through some wide receivers. I've looked at some edge guys recently. Like, I'm trying to start with positions the Giants need. I feel like that makes more sense, and then I'll kind of work my way down to, like, positions they don't need as much. So that's probably how I'll do it. But anyway, yeah, hope you guys enjoyed the video. Of course, we'll do the questions video next time. So look in the... Uh, community page for that, and I will talk to you guys next time.